This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme where we are in a couple of minutes uh, going to be talking about an issue I heard Barry mention it on the news as well and this is to do with the issue of the number of outdoor staff that are employed by Cork County Council and I've been given a copy of a breakdown on the numbers of outdoor staff going back to 2008 and right up to the present day and it truly is quite shocking to see the fall on the number of outdoor staff year on year on year between 2008 and what is presently there at the moment and you know I know listening on this programme getting commentary in from uh, listeners I think particularly during the summer months but it comes up during the winter months as well we'll have comp- people complaining about their area and lack of maintenance in their area and people will always say where are the county council staff there used to be much more county council staff before and you know people were thinking you know it was just that we remember things differently when we were younger that there used to be more of the men with the shovel and you know whenever a gully gets blocked or a drain gets blocked somebody would say I remember a Paddy the councilman that he never would have allowed that to happen why when Paddy retired was he not replaced and it's as there isn't an area I think of Cork County that hasn't lost outdoor staff so if, if there's something in your area that you can point to that you can say absolutely that was always maintained but in the last number of years it's not been maintained because we're not seeing council workers out doing the work that traditionally was done by the council uh, let us know and tell us about give us examples of where you think your area has suffered because there are less outdoor staff employed by Cork County Council and we'll talk about that uh, in more detail on the programme this morning but your thoughts and comments welcomed to 0818 103 103 and with everybody on about the cost of living and everybody trying to watch how they're spending their money and making sure we're not wasting anything it truly is shocking to read a report that says that the likes of discarded bread, vegetables vegetables, fruit and meat has led to 127 kgs of food wasted per person. And now that's not just here in Ireland, that's across the EU and that's every single year. Every man, woman and, ch- and child in Europe, when you collectively add it all up, that's what the equivalent is, 127 kgs of food. And these are all the latest figures coming out from the European Commission's data analysis wing Eurostat and they show that householders we are the biggest culprits being responsible that for more than half are 70 kgs 
per man, woman and child in Europe. Now, 70 kgs is the similar similar to the average weight of a fully grown adult and that's how much we're throwing out every year. Uh, so 70, it's a, that's the over half 55% is from the households and then the 45% that's generated uh, from manufacturing and processing etc. And then when you dig down into the figures we're obviously concerned about what we're doing here in Ireland. It's calculated that here in Ireland we generate more than 770,000 tonnes of waste and that was in the first year of the COVID-19 pandemic. Householders in Ireland we were responsible for 241 tonnes of waste. The rest Restaurant in industry was responsible for 178,000 tonnes and then manufacturing and processing made up the rest 220,000. In the EU overall, the total food waste measured in 2020 uh, nearly reached 59 million tonnes of fresh mass. Now, they're the figures coming out from Europe. But when we look at figures from our own Environmental Protection Agency, they, they look into food waste and they look into how much food waste costs the average Irish household. And we've spoken about this figures, uh, figure before. They reckon it's about 7 100 euro per year. It works out about 60 euro per month. That's what we throw out in waste food. And then you add on to that, there's a cost of that food being removed from our households as well. That's an annual national cost of 1.3 billion, according to the EPA. Now, Aldi Ireland, they brought out research earlier this month and they've broken down where the waste, what what type of food are we mainly uh, wasting? Top of the list that the most discarded food item, and this will come as no surprise, it's bread. Because bread goes off and you'll look at the bread and if it's got a little bit of green mould on it, there's somebody in my household wouldn't touch it if there was a bit of green mould on it. There's other people who'll say just pick off the bit of green mould and the rest of the bread is uh, fine. But bread is the most commonly discarded item, 62%. That's followed by fresh food, 55% of that ends up in the bin, on fresh, and then followed by fresh, fe- fresh, f- fresh veg, then followed by fresh fruit, then dairy, the milk, the yogurts, they all go off straight into the bin, and then meat. They are the top five uh, items. It collates, that the Aldi survey collates with previous data from the EPA, again showing bread as the most likeliest casualty of food going to waste in this country. Aldi Ireland's research also found that food being passed its used by date is the most common reason why people will look in the fridge, see something that the used by date is gone and throw it straight in the bin. 48% of people admitted doing that, followed by people simply not getting around to it so you go to the supermarket you buy your food or oh yeah I'll have that for dinner on Tuesday Tuesday comes and you go with something else and of course then by Thursday the use by date is gone so what was to be Tuesday's dinner suddenly ends up in the bin on uh, Thursday and then campaign group called Feedback Global they examine the impact of food production on the environment and they claim in their report out uh, their, their, their report that they brought out earlier this year that the EU's food waste amounts to at least 6% of its total emissions and it's costing the entire EU block upwards of 143 billion euro per year. The EU actually wasted more food than it imports. Now that figure 
totally and absolutely blew, blew me away. And they look into the figures of how much the EU as a block, how much we import. Uh, and when you look at how much we import, we actually waste more than we actually bring in every year. And the scale of waste is all the more concerning when you consider that across the EU, there are 33 million people who every day say they cannot afford a quality meal. So we have people across the EU saying don't have enough money to have a good quality dinner every day of the week and yet we look at the amount we are wasting every uh, year. And this multi-sourced report was then of course followed by reports from citizens organisations to support food waste proposals. It's been backed by 43 organisations from 20 EU countries and the EEB is calling for legally binding targets for EU member states to collectively achieve a 50% reduction in EU food loss and waste uh, by the year 2030. But it really is going to have to go back to individuals because okay, there's always going to be waste in food production, there's always going to be waste at at restaurants, restaurants can't force people uh, to eat everything that they put up on their plates, maybe restaurants need to look at portion sizes, I don't know how you get around uh, that one, but 55% of the the food waste is generated by households. We all have a responsibility and I suppose with this cost of living crisis that's not just happening here in Ireland, it's a you know, it's going right across Europe. I think more and more focus is going to come on how we spend our money, particularly on our grocery shop and how much of it we we waste. And I wonder when we look, no, no doubt this time next year, similar results and surveys uh, will be out. And I wonder with this cost of living uh, crisis, will one of the pluses be that we won't be wasting as much food and one of the benefits of, if you can ever have a benefit to a cost of living crisis, uh, will be good for the environment in that there will be less food waste. I wasn't going to mention this, but I, you know, I think I will. I got, I just got some devastating news uh, yesterday when a friend of mine uh, rang me, um, or it was the sister of a friend of mine, uh, rang me to say that my really, really, really dear friend of mine, Maria, had uh, passed away in the States. She was only 58. She hadn't, she wasn't sick. She was, goodness me, she was so full of life. I was only uh, talking to her a couple of weeks ago because her beautiful son had got married and she was sharing the photographs from the uh, wedding and unfortunately she had a massive stroke uh, yesterday, just 58 years of age and unfortunately she she didn't make it and uh, the reason I mentioned her today was she was a, a great fan of the programme over in the, she'd been living in the States she moved to the States when she was in her early 20s and was one of those people that went on to live the American dream she went to the States she uh, went back into education she studied so hard and became an attorney at law uh, in America and she worked extensively with illegal immigrants and working on getting people um, their green cards in the States and she did just such phenomenal uh, work in America and she went on to four gorgeous children who just are absolutely devastated uh, at her loss and she used to I hope to be saying to her she must have been driving people mad in her law office because she insisted on having C103 on the radio and she'd contact me if there was a particular thing that was on that she liked and she wanted to comment on and she was just so full of life and she's going to be so missed by so many people so just to remember her today and to to say to people you know treasure your, your family and your friends because literally they can be taken away 
in the blink of an eye. So uh, I remember the loss of a very dear friend today. 0818103103. Our lines are open. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. As I mentioned at the top of the programme, I do think it'll come as no surprise to many of our listeners to hear that Cork County Council has lost 382 outdoor staff over a 15-year period, leading, of course, to a sharp decline in the maintenance of our county towns and villages. Joining me to discuss the problems that lack of outdoor staff can create, I'm joined by Fianna Fáil uh, Councillor Gorod Murphy. Good morning to you, Gorod. Morning, Patricia. How are you doing? Uh, I'm very well, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, we certainly grow to hear from a lot of listeners bemoaning the lack of outdoor staff, and I'm sure, indeed, you do as well. Was that one of the reasons why you sought this report? Yeah, there were a few reasons. First of all, of course, feedback um, on the ground. Secondly, the opinions of uh, some more senior colleagues to me, many of which have been around since the days of the old town councils, and... Uh, you know, they have real lived experience. Good example would be Councillor Joe Carolyn Skibbereen is constantly highlighting it. Um, and really, there is a perception there that the numbers, we don't have the boots on the ground like we used to. So I put down a motion on Monday in, I suppose, an attempt to put concrete figures in this. And uh, there's definitely the lived experiences of myself and uh, many others. But you know, to actually discuss it with the facts in front of us um, was the reason I put down the motion. And as you said, um, the figures, I suppose, unfortunately backed up what we had long suspected. Um, and it's, that was, it's quite shocking and quite stark when you see them in black and white, though. Yeah, you know, un- unfortunately. And you can see most of the damage was done, so to speak, 10 or 15 years ago during the public service recruitment ban. And... Another thing, actually, which led me to go on the motion is a report by the National Oversight and Audits Commission from 2016, which found that throughout the country, this is looking at it in a bird's eye view, um, there was a 26% reduction of outdoor staff like overall throughout the country so it wasn't just limited to Cork County yeah. I don't because, know how but, it is nationally yeah, but, 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 and just to remind people of that from 2008 uh, to 2015 there was a recruitment ban and that was following the financial crash so when anybody left or anybody retired the recruitment ban was in place the council's hands uh, were, tie- were tied but then when that ban was lifted in 2015 What's the explanation as to why staff weren't weren't then employed? Well, that's what my motion was there to find out. I knew the national picture up until 2016, but there was no information since then. And unfortunately, the figures have shown that the numbers have actually continued to dwindle. They certainly haven't replenished. And this is at a time when the population has been increasing, of course. So, you know, um, it's a stark picture. Um, I think... The overall reduction was something in the order of more than 33% between 2008 and the present. Uh, There were a few reasons, there are a few caveats, I suppose, in the numbers that were given back. And one of them was that apparently differences in reporting between now and how they're recorded, maybe back in 2008, could account for some of the decrease. But, you know, the, the overall trend is very clear. And it's also very clear that in recent years, the numbers haven't increased 
And, you know, it is very disappointing because this is despite the fact that all I think councillors across all parties in the council have been repeatedly highlighting the need for more outdoor staff, the need for more boots on the ground to, I suppose, continue delivering the services that we need to deliver. And a point that was made by a lot of people on Monday was that the slack is being picked up by the voluntary groups, the tidy towns, etc. And in many cases, you know, these are people who are retired. There are people who have full-time jobs and families of their own, in many cases as well. So, you know... And they're doing that on, on a voluntary basis. Exactly. Yeah, because someone I can see, I can see like a number of texts coming in with a number of people pointing out only for tidy towns groups and CE workers. Where would we be? Are CE workers also picking up some of the slack? Oh, yeah, I'd say there's no doubt about that. Um, And it's important that, especially as our population grows, that the county council continues to maintain the amount of outdoor staff that we need to have in order to maintain the services people expect. And uh, the other reason they were giving as well was the um, transfer of some staff to Cork City Council when, during the, the boundary change. But in fairness, there hadn't really been any movement. There had been no increase in figures before that either. And, you know, it didn't count, It didn't seem from the figures anyway to account for a huge amount of the reduction. Most of the reduction happened during the public service recruitment ban and the figures haven't picked up. They haven't recovered since then, days. You know, there doesn't seem to have been any effort to expand our services despite this expanding population. It just seems to be stagnant. So, and, and what kind of problems are you seeing or hearing about due to lack of outdoor staff? What, what are people talking to you about? Well, it's just the general maintenance. It's just, and I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to maybe put anything concrete, you know, because in fairness, the staff that are there are working very hard. And the jobs do tend to be done eventually. It's just, I suppose, the speed of getting things done, uh, the ability of the council to, I suppose. And the, the other thing, actually, about the figures that were pro- provided is that they're on an overall basis. They include all of the departments. It's not just the roads and the municipal district operations. It's across the board. But I suppose it's not just roads either. It's things like housing maintenance and just the ability of the council to deliver on the ground, you know. Yeah, and, and, and I know it, certainly in the summer months, the graveyards and maintenance of graveyards, that traditionally was always done by the council. Yeah, so that's a good example. It's, it, you, when you start thinking about outdoor staff, the first thing you think about is roads, but it, it really is across the board that these reductions have been happening by, by the looks of it. But we've only gotten the headline figures, so we're going to have another report very shortly is what we've been told um, with a more, more detailed breakdown across the departments and then we need to talk about this at budget time. That's definitely what we need to do. It has to be a priority for the council to increase our level of outdoor staff and I don't know if you know the answer to this but somebody who by text is saying they are an outdoor worker with Cork County Council are saying while there has been a decrease in outdoor workers and outdoor workers who retired not being replaced this gentleman is saying there's been an increase in engineers do you know has there been an increase in engineers at County Council level? Well we weren't given any figures on administrative staff that certainly seems to be the perception as well. 
but but is it is it a perception or is it true? Do you know the way sometimes it can be just in, it, people start talking about something, saying, "Ah, oh, there's loads more engineers and, the, and there's no boots on the ground." Can, can you find out? Has there been an increase in the number of engineers employed by Cork County Council? It's definitely something we're yeah, going to be yeah. discussing the next time. It, it'll be coming up, I think, in the next few weeks that we'll have more detailed breakdown. And I suppose the question is, has the overall level of staffing increased in Cork County Council while the outdoor staff has decreased? Yeah, that, that is the question. That is the question. John then in Clonakilty says on the lack of uh, staff, as we know by now, Irish Water are taking full control of water services from the 1st of January 2023. All local authority staff within water services can go back to their councils under that agreement. So, will there be a proportion of staff on their way back to Cork County Council? I would hope so, but again, I suppose it's a discussion we need to have at budget time, and uh, if they do come back, they'd have to make sure that they were prepared for financially and that the resources were there to actually hire them back. So, you know, that's, now is definitely a good time to be having that discussion. To be honest, I don't know off the top yeah. of my head, but okay. I do know that the figures that are provided include all of the water staff which are still retained, as, as far as I'm aware anyway, by Cork County Council. Okay, you know. and a number of people pointing out and saying there are too many people working in offices, too many pen pushers, you need the boots on the ground. John Amalo said back in the day the local staff would know the area, would know it well. Uh, we need the man, this is going back to, we need the man uh, with the shovel. And I'm assuming, Garode, that all councillors right across the county are inundated with complaints from people in their area? Well, the motion got a great response and great support from my colleagues, so it certainly appears so. Yeah, in, in fairness, I was, um, that, that was very clear. And the thing is, it wasn't just, this wasn't the start of anything. This was only a continuation of discussions that has been having, you know, we've been having in the council for the last five or ten years at least on the need to increase our boots on the ground or outdoor staff. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's had any impact based on the figures, which is very disappointing. But I, I couldn't agree more, you know, with um, what John said. Like, it's, it's just so important to, to have the people there to deliver the services actually on the ground. Jennifer in North Cork says, why, why are we paying our annual local property tax? Is it not to at least part fund maintenance of our areas where we live? We're not seeing that maintenance. Is that not where our local property tax is meant to go? You know, again, that's what the motion was there to try and do, to try and just... And I was delighted to actually get the figures uh, as well. But, yeah, you know, that's that's something that's been said to me on the doors many times when at election time too. Um, so, and, and that's, I suppose, ultimately what we're trying to do, to try and increase the numbers. Uh, it's as simple as that. OK, but now that you have them in front of you in black and white and all of the councils have them in front of you in black and white, you're hoping that you can you can stop... The, the flow of the loss of staff and, and turn that figure around? Well, ultimately, staffing all human resources um, questions are executive functions. They're technically not our job at all, but they affect the job that we do immensely. So even though, like, if we ever bring up staffing issues, we we're usually told in no uncertain terms, this is not your area, this is stay in your lane, pretty much, by the executive. But... It does affect it affects like things that we have responsibility for. So we certainly want to express on a strategic level the need for 
more of their staff so that's what we're doing Okay, all right. well done, well done Uh, Gold, we leave it there, thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme Thanks, Patricia. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Fianna Fáil Councillor uh, Gorod uh, Murphy on the declining number of outdoor staff at Cork County Council. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. C103's Irish Sunday is the big show on your radio. Sunday mornings from 10. Four hours of all-time favourites from Cleon Hagen to Mike Denver. Susan McCann to Derek Ryan. And Daniel O'Donnell to Nathan Carter. It's Cork's greatest hits, guaranteed. And everyone is Irish. Join us Sunday mornings from 10am. Irish Sunday on C103. Here's one to think about. What would you do if you found a teddy bear with a tag around its neck asking you to take the teddy bear on adventures and then post about it on social media? Well, that's exactly what happened to my next guest, uh, author from Limerick, Gronia O'Brien, who joins me to chat more about Bonnie the Bear. Uh, good morning to Gronia. Hi Patricia, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm very well and, and I have to say when I saw this up on social media it just <laughs> made me smile and I said to John Ball, we have to get Gronia on the programme. <laughs> now, I have to take you back to the middle of last month. Just outline to us where and how Bonnie came into your world. So I was in Sweden. So I work in a bookshop here in Limerick and there's this bookshop, bookseller exchange programme where they send you to another country to work in another bookshop. Um, it's called the Rise Book Selling Exchange and, and it's like the idea is that we take home knowledge from each other's bookshops, you know. Um, so I was coming home from Sweden. I was on a plane from Stockholm to London um, and I just felt this like little nudge at my elbow on the seat um, and I turned around and this woman was like handing me this teddy bear through the seat hope, um, and I took the teddy bear and thought didn't think much of it. Like, she had a little girl with her, so I thought maybe, you know, the little girl was just showing me the teddy bear or whatever. And then I read, Bonnie has instructions around her neck. Um, and the instructions say, I'm on, my name is Bonnie. My class has sent me on a trip um, around the world. Please take me with you. And I said, okay. <laughs> And as you said in your post, Bonnie couldn't have arrived to a better house because you, <laughs> you I mean, you're, you're a, chi- you're a children's author, but you're also, you're the children's book buyer for O'Mahony's book. book. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I am. Yeah. So I've been the buyer there for about five years and I really, I'm so passionate. And it's one of the reasons why I was in Sweden as well. Like I'm so passionate about helping kids fall in love with reading and just kind of embracing fun in life. Yeah. I think as adults, we don't do that enough either. Um, so, I, I mean, like, nobody is surprised that I took money at all. Like, everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, this is so on brand for Gronia. Of course you took the bear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so Bonnie comes into your care. What have you been able to find out about Bonnie and how this journey began? So she has an email address for the class. So you can, so I've emailed the teacher a few times back and forth. So, Essentially, the class is is like second class equivalent. Um, the there is Bonnie's is is the teacher's. Um, her name is Ice, 
and uh, they've sent her. It's it, based on a children's book that they were reading. They got inspired by this idea as part of the class. She's been traveling since about the end of September. According to her Instagram page, she's been to like Croatia. I think she's been to Greece. She's been to Denmark. Um, and the teacher emailed me the other day and said they really have a desire to see her in Australia and the US. So they have goals for Bonnie, which oh. is nice. Have a but 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 what's mad is she and Bonnie you, you well you, is Bonnie a she is I I decided Bonnie's a she okay because because yeah. it is B O N N I E so I yeah uh, with exactly. a Y it'd be a boy so it is a she exactly okay. exactly but yeah. you were on a plane she started out in Sweden but she had left Sweden but somehow yes. ended back up on a plane yeah so I get the impression that people were picking her up in the airport taking them on ho- taking her on holidays and then bringing her back ah and okay. leaving her in the airport and then sending her back again and that's that's what I think was happening whereas okay. I've just taken her on a one way trip to Ireland <laughs> with no plan and you and you and so you've taken her around Ireland so far I saw you I mean Limerick obviously you you, yeah. you showed off Limerick yeah we, I took I took her I've taken her on a trip to Limerick I'm gonna have to take her farther afield like I can't hang on to her forever but I she's gonna have a lot of the island or Ireland done by the time I'm done with her definitely and then you 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 then send on the pictures of what you've got up to with Bonnie is it is that yeah so yeah. you email so you email the pictures of the, the teacher is manning the Facebook the Instagram page so you just email her and then she puts up you know, letters from Bonnie is the, so the Instagram page is Brevin from Bonnie, which means letters from Bonnie. Okay. Um, And she's emailing, she's posting the pictures and she's putting in little notes, you know, like she put up a post the other day saying, did you realise that Ireland is where Halloween came from? And, (laughs) you know, like, Little things for the for the kids as well, I think. And how fan! I, the, well, the one thing when I saw it, I just thought, what a fantastic teacher to have come up yeah. with this concept, and yeah. then to be putting the work in on the face on the on the Instagram uh, page. And I just thought, for the children in her class, it must be magical for them to be getting these posts about Bonnie the Bear. Yeah, and I think it needs. She needs people to really embrace it, like. So the instructions ask that you hand her over or leave her somewhere, but I can't see myself leaving her somewhere. I'll definitely give her to someone. But you have to be responsible for Bonnie. Like, I don't, you know, if you're going to take her on, you have to send her places and, and engage with the Instagram and kind of, you know, it wouldn't be for everyone, I don't think. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but, but it's definitely for me. It's definitely for Gronio <laughs> O'Brien from Limerick anyway. And a little birdie told me the main reason that you're hanging on to Bonnie is because you're getting married in a number yes. of weeks. Yes, she's been issued um, an invitation to our wedding. She has kindly accepted it. <laughs> um, so we've rejigged the table plans and uh, we're uh, we're hoping that she will make it all the way to the end but if she only makes it for the dinner that's acceptable you know she's a young bear she's, yeah she'll have yeah. to go to bed early would she be Correct. would she be bedecked and dressed up nicely for the wedding I would like to think so yeah I'm hoping that someone will provide her with an ensemble for yeah, the day yeah because <laughs> yeah, she's, she's a well-worn bear she's been much she's, loved by Ice the teacher yeah absolutely yeah she is, she's not a new bear she's okay. well loved She's well loved this bear, yeah. And so after your wedding then you're going to have to say your goodbyes and have you have you any plans on where you can send her off to then? Well we do have guests coming from Australia. Brilliant. And yeah. So and when the teacher said I really want her to go to Australia, I thought, Okay, maybe, you know, I'll have to touch base, I'll have to do some research on the on our guests, you know, are they gonna take Bonnie seriously? Are they gonna understand the importance of of 
being the custodian, the 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 minder of Bonnie, it's important, you know, <laughs> I have to do something. And there is a deadline of when the school would like Bonnie to return from her travels. Yeah, so they're hoping that she'll make it back to Sweden by the 15th of May next year, 2023. So. Obviously, that's coming to the end of their term. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 God, I'd love to see other teachers follow suit and do something similar. I mean, it's an, it's an amazing idea. I, I think what I find extraordinary about it is how up first people are, you know, um, like to when I went on the Instagram to find that she'd already been all these different places and, you know, I put it on Twitter and people just lost their minds over yeah. it. But I, I, found, I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm into this. <laughs> and listen, as, as a children's author, there's a book in Bonnie, isn't there? About her travels? What? Well, I have to find out what book they were reading. Yeah. Like, is it a Swedish book or what? Because, you know, I mean, like, I know Flat Stanley, they had this thing with Flat Stanley years ago, I know about, where they got, you know, Flat Stanley posted from different parts of the world. But I'd love to know, I'm going to ask what book they were reading, find out if it's Swedish, find out how it came about. Um, and just be I mean you know you don't want to be caught plagiarising either but there's definitely I think Bonnie herself has a story to tell you know, yeah, so. yeah. Well, and at the end yeah. of it by the end of May she certainly will have a story to, to tell yeah. and of course yeah. and all the evidence will be up on, on Insta of, of where of where she went <laughs> and have you um, are you published yet or about to publish yeah so my book is coming out in May next year it's being published by the O'Brien Press OK uh, around yeah. the same time that Bonnie will be making her I way home the weekend before Bonnie's due home I loved the idea also of that booksellers exchange oh yeah it's great uh, actually O'Mahony's has a bookseller with us today from New Zealand isn't that fantastic yeah yeah it's an extraordinary programme it's such a great idea especially now when bookshops are you know so under pressure and what I found really extraordinary about it is being in Sweden and with Rochelle being with us from New Zealand is not so much how we're different, but how we're all going through the same problems, like internationally, you know, um, since COVID and Brexit and whatever else, like it's affecting everybody. So that's kind of reassuring to know that you're not on your own. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know? I, well I tell you, I'm, I'm a massive advocate of children reading and instilling in kids the love of reading. And every single year coming up to Christmas, I remind people, you know, books, give books as presents to physically yeah. put a book into a child's hand and if you can instill that love of reading you just open up the, the most amazing world uh, to yeah, children Yeah, I, I mean I think my my thing is to give the gift of the love of reading is something that the yeah. person will have for the rest of their life like I remember the librarian that got me into reading when I was six or seven and you know, it's my goal in life is to be that person for, you know, for kids for as long as I have my job. Um, I hope in 20 years there's some young person speaking on the radio having picked up a bear saying, oh, you know, the bookseller in Omani is the reason why I fell in love with books. Yeah, uh, she's mad. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic, and and don't and the independent books stores like O'Mahony's Bookshop, they are so important that we need to uh, support them as well. It's fantastic. Ray, remind us again of the Instagram handle, uh, Gronia, for people to check out Bonnie's story. Okay, so it's Brevin, so it's B R E V E N dot Fran F R A N dot Bonnie B O N N I E. Okay. 
All right, it really is lovely. I'll, I'll continue to enjoy watching her journeys. Have a wonderful wedding. Uh, it's, so, it's, ne- it's next month. It's November, isn't it? Next month, next yeah. Month. Next month, yeah. Have, have a wonderful, wonderful uh, wedding. And thanks a million. And listen, we look forward to seeing your book next May when oh, it's out. So well. Thanks Thank a million you. for joining us, Gronia. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And if you have uh, young children, share the story of Bonnie with them because it really, really is lovely. That's Gronia O'Brien, uh, children's author and uh, worker at O'Mahony's uh, Bookshop in Limerick, joining us uh, talking all about uh, Bonnie the Bear. Chris in North Cork's listening to my piece about Bonnie the Bear travelling from Sweden and going around the world on her adventures. Chris says, Patricia, I wish someone would take me all around the world like Bonnie the Bear. It sounds like great crack. I've never been on a holiday, says uh, Chris in North Cork. Oh, to be a teddy bear, Chris. Thank you for your text to 0862103103. We're going to take a break. We have news on the way in at the next hour. Hearing about concerns that people are raising for staff that work in pubs and in particularly in nightclubs with the extension of the licensing laws and the extension of the opening hours do we need to protect the workers who work in the industry. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie You're listening to Court today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Tomorrow, Friday, we are going to have another C103 Free Fuel Friday. And tomorrow is our fourth and final Free Fuel Friday. Your chance to win 100 euro fuel vouchers. You can fill up the tank with it or you can heat the home. The choice is uh, yours. That's the Free Fuel Friday with East Cork Oil serving Cork City and County and across Munster for locations. You can see your local oil company.ie. Always local, only on C103. And as we've been doing for the last three Fridays uh, we'll be playing a clip with a celebrity who will be the star in the car and you've got to identify who the star in the car is and of course as always we will tell you when to text our WhatsApp us and we'll be doing that uh, tomorrow and thank you to a number of people who are sending in very kind words uh, sympathising with me when I mentioned the loss of my uh, gorgeous friend uh, Maria I appreciate your messages I really do Uh, thank you but that wasn't the reason that I mentioned it I just I felt she should be mentioned and that um, I should speak about her uh, today. Uh, so thank you. I, I do appreciate it, uh, including a lovely, um, some of your words from Mary. Uh, but Mary was also on saying that she's a bit of a problem at the moment. A stray tomcat came in through her porch window and he decided to do his business. He weed in her shoe, her runner. Now she's washed it. She's put disinfectant in it. She's left it out on the clothesline, she said, for at least a month and she can't get rid of the smell. Now anyone who has cats or anyone who's ever had a tomcat will know there is a very distinctive smell from cat pee and I think it's more from the tomcats than from the female uh, cats. It's horrible. It's absolutely disgusting. It's rank. So Mary wants to know, so anybody out there can offer words of advice. How can she get rid of the smell of cat pee from her runner? And I'm assuming what has happened is because if it was a leather runner, you know, it would have come off the outside. But it's obviously it went, he peed inside in the runner. So it's the cloth part inside. It seeped into that. And hence the reason that the smell is still there. If anyone can offer advice for Mary, please do. Uh, 0818 or if you want to text or WhatsApp your suggestions to get rid of that very, very 
noxious smell from Cat P. 0862103103. A number of people uh, commenting on the piece when I mentioned about food waste and there's a study out from the EU Commission. It's the data from the whole of Europe showing how much we are wasting on food waste, not just in this country, it's right across the EU uh, block. And the top one then we tied it in with a research that came out from Aldi earlier on this month. They also looked at food waste and they were giving the five most commonly discarded items and bread was at the very top of the list. And somebody is saying bread waste is actually even more higher than we think when you factor in the amount of bread that's left out for crows and other vermin. The other way some people decide rather than put it into say a composting bin or rather than put it into the bin for landfill, they'll throw the bread out in the garden and the birds and other vermin will pick it up instead. So bread definitely everybody agreeing is the most commonly discarded item. And I'm assuming if we opened the phone lines and asked people to think about what is the thing that they throw out the most I think though the top five from Aldi I think would be reflected in everybody's household. Bread was at the top followed by fresh veg followed by fresh fruit Dairy came in at number four and meat came in as the fifth most commonly discarded food item. Martin in Mitchellstown remembers growing up, his mother used to make and bake her own brown bread. I can almost smell it, Martin. He says, believe me, there was never any waste in those days. That homemade brown bread was eaten, every single bit of it. He said, nowadays, he says, people have big fancy kitchens and half of them couldn't boil an egg. <laughs> you're probably right, Martin. You're probably right. Nicola in Douglas says during lockdowns, um, she said, remember the fad everybody started baking bread? Remember sourdough bread, banana bread? Goodness me, there was more recipes for banana bread doing the rounds on social media. Nicola said it was the same in her house. They were certainly baking a lot of bread. But she says, reflecting back on the lockdowns, she reckoned there was a loss, lot less wastage during lockdowns. Food that was bought, food that was homemade, was all eaten and consumed. But she said lockdowns went. Everyone went back to their busy lives. She says we're all now rushing, either rushing to get to work, rushing to get the kids to school, going to sports training. And she said because of that, people don't have time to do any home baking anymore. And with all the rushing around, she feels that's the reason that a lot of food is wasted. She reckons there was a lot less food waste during lockdown. Would others agree? Well, I think others would agree in that it was a known fact that people ate more during lockdown and that could have been one of the reasons Nicola why there was less food waste remember the Covid stone that everybody spoke about everyone spoke some people said it was out of boredom people were eating a lot more food so I suppose that would certainly tie in with less food waste less food being wasted but that's not the answer either Pat in Formoy says the overall food wastage figure he feels is ridiculous it may be right from a statistician's point of view but he said to be taking in households restaurants bars food processing. They need to separate out each unit. Well, in fairness, they did. The stats that I gave you showed that 55% of the, according to the EU stats, 55% of the food is generated at home and then 45% was from the food supply chain and I'm assuming that that would be also restaurants and manufacturing and process. So they did actually break it down and they showed that households are the biggest culprits and we are responsible for over half of the amount of uh, food. Martin says he would know of families where children 
get their dinner put up in front of them they might only eat half the dinner or the famous one I don't like that I'm not eating that and guess what it all goes into the uh, bin Willie in Yall says the reason that food is wasted Willie feels one of the reasons there's so much food wasted is to do with special offers in our supermarkets he was only yesterday in the city doing a spot of shot shopping and he was in one of the larger supermarkets and he said they had a special offer on, on broccoli whether it was half price or whatever one of these specials on broccoli he said he couldn't believe the amount of people that were buying the broccoli he said surely they couldn't be eating all of that broccoli that broccoli won't stay fresh and it won't last so maybe we need to rethink the special offers the only thing is uh, we need the people stocking up on the special offers maybe just maybe that they're going to use the special offer and freeze them you could buy the broccoli cook it and uh, freeze it so maybe people were trying to being were being sensible by stocking up on the special offers and going to put it into the freezer but you're right when you are buying special offers you do really need to stop and think about the special offers particularly if they're perishable items yeah, and I know a lot of the supermarkets stopped doing you know the, the buy one get one free offers on the fresh veg because a lot of those were going to waste. Remember there was one Christmas where the supermarkets really got into a supermarket war with vegetables and they were nearly giving away the bags of carrots where they were they 15 cent or something. It was ridiculous how, how cheap they were and there was melons. They were giving they were selling me- melons at a ridiculously low price. There was no possible way it could have covered the cost of the melon and the transportation cost of the melon, etc. And there was a lot of people at the time saying this is going to be so bad for the environment. And I remember somebody who works as a bin man contacted us after Christmas and said he could not believe the amount of bins, wheelie bins that he was opening up. And this was before now with the composting bins and full melons untouched that were being thrown out with the food away. So people bought because everything was so cheap. But of course, it's false economy. If you're buying something because it's cheap, you've got to make sure either that you're going to use it and that you'll use it before it's sell by date but just in defence of the people stocking up on the broccoli that Willie saw it could be it could just be that they were going to bring it home and uh, freeze it and if, if they did there, there therefore wouldn't be any uh, waste 0818103103 and someone else is looking for advice if we can point somebody in the right direction here morning Patricia does anybody know of any phone shop that would specifically sell phones that would be suitable for a man with hand disabilities. He has a Dora phone at the moment, but he's finding it very difficult to use. Does anybody know of a particular brand of phone? Or a, This person is saying a phone shop, but maybe a brand of phone or a type of phone. I mean, what I would be thinking there is could, I, I don't know what the particular disability this man is suffering from or if it's a disability he's, he's acquired. I wonder would an occupational therapist, they would be, would be able to point you in the direction of where you could go. I mean, a lot of phones you can use for, you, you can voice command a lot of phones. I mean, certainly the Apple phones, you can use the voice command on. And if you had a, ha- I mean, f- 
for example, people who are visually impaired, they can use the voice commands on, on phones. I'm wondering, would something like that be of use? Anyway, anybody else come across a phone that will be suitable for a gentleman who's got doesn't have full use of his hands, has been using the door phone, but is finding it difficult uh, to use? If anybody can give a suggestion or a particular phone shop where we could send this gentleman, please let us know. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. There is a manager required for a cafe and a bookshop. It's in the Beira Peninsula. Send your CVs, please, to the centre director, dzogchenbeira.org. Ward personnel are recruiting all types of carpenters for work across the Cork region. Call 021 233 9120. A taste panellist. That's an interesting job. It's for dairy products. It's required to work four days per week. It's two two-hour sessions. It's based at UCC. Now, full training will be provided and you need to have fluent English. You can contact srlresearch.info at srlresearch.com to pick up an application form. And a part-time worker is wanted for a dairy farm in the Mallow area. It may suit a student or a semi-retired person. Call 87 297-9018 You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. cmig.ie Now, as we've spoken about this week, the Cabinet has agreed to longer opening hours for both pubs and nightclubs. Some of our listeners yesterday were concerned about the workers who will have to work, especially the antisocial hours. Labour's spokesperson on employment, Senator Marie Sherlock, is also worried and thinks that workers must be supported. Senator Marie Sherlock uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning. Good morning to all your listeners. You're you're very welcome. Now, firstly, these laws are to boost the nighttime economy economy and they're going to modernise our licensing laws. Are they long overdue? Oh, they are long overdue and they're very welcome. We, we, I think there's been a, a real call from right across the nighttime economy for a long time now to have extended opening hours. And of course, I think to reassure your worker, your, your, your listeners that, you know, bars and clubs won't be open seven nights a week. I think it's only on, you know, weekend nights in particular. But, you know, I'll be very much welcome the extension to the the opening hours, I suppose, you know, my concern has been all along that the workers who need to be there to ensure those longer working hours, um, that they've got lost in the conversation. And in particular, when we know that there's such a huge number, a very large number of young workers work at bars and pubs and, and, and restaurants and nightclubs, um, then, then we very much need the government to send a clear message as to how their working conditions uh, need to be improved. Um, with regards to in tandem with the extension of of, of, of the, the new would you would you have concerns around their pay rates, Marie, particularly those young workers? Well, we know that so many in the hospitality sector are on the national minimum wage, um, and uh, I, 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 with, with, with a very small number on 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 a, on a on, on, on a wage just above the national minimum wage. And, we, and so we would say at a minimum, we need to see uh, the living wage, 1385 
the living wage group in Ireland report last week for 2023. So we need to see the minimum that, that, that these workers are getting paid the minimum wage, but uh, the, sorry, the living wage plus also the um, a premium hours, particularly for the earlier, a premium pay for the early hours of the morning. And I think, you know, beyond that, we also need employers in the sector to sit down with worker representatives in the sector to actually work out both terms and conditions. Because it's not just about pay, it's about conditions as well. Like, you know, one of the really striking things is that, you know, we don't have 24-hour transport in, you know, across the country. Uh, we're very, you know, here in Dublin, only a small number of buses that work on a 24-hour, ba- or, you know, work until 4 a.m. in the morning. And, and, and so there's a real issue about how people actually get you know, to and from yeah, and, and I have to say yesterday when we were talking about the, the longer opening hours, that was one of the things some of our listeners uh, highlighted was ensuring that uh, all of the workers, but particularly the, the young workers, that they get home sir, safely. You know, some of these shifts exactly. will end and up late at night or, or now early in the morning. Well, 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 well this is it. And, 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 you know, we're talking here about hours where buses are not operating. You know, so whether it's two, three, four, five, or six in the morning, um, and, and 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 so you know, their welfare, as much as the welfare of those who are going out to enjoy their night out, must be taken into consideration. You know, we've heard um, guard representatives in recent days expressing concern as well, and they obviously need to be brought to the table, and 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 any changes need to be made with them because ultimately, this is about public transport. It's about guard the Shilkana. About getting the right planning. I know people are worried about the noise and and all that. Although I would argue that staggered closing hours or longer closing, uh, longer opening hours, if I could put it that way, um, will actually ensure that there's less of a kind of a, a, a concentration out on the street at, at at half one, two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. But but I think you know there's there's all those factors. So it's not just as simple as as changing the licensing laws. And leaving the pubs and and the clubs open longer because certainly we had some of our local taxi companies were saying that they hadn't been spoken to and and obviously it's going to affect their trade. Uh, And and hugely important and we know that there's a real shortage of taxi services, um, you know, in certain parts of the country at the moment. So again, you know, they need to be part of the conversation. So look, I, I think it's important to say that these were just proposals that went to Cabinet on Tuesday. We've yet to see the, the precise detail. Um, also, I suppose it's important to say that, you know, the Minister has been talking about these changes for about, you know, 18 months now. So, you know, I suppose we, we, we need to move. The next step has to be about bringing all those various, um, uh, you know, I suppose groups around the table to work out how we actually make success of this. Because ultimately, this will benefit our towns, it will benefit our cities, in, in, in how um, you know in, 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 in trying to kind of I suppose promote a thriving nighttime economy. Yeah, and and, and we've spoken and heard so much about the nighttime economy, particularly when you compare our nighttime economy to other European uh, countries. Like we're lagging way behind, and I was really taken aback to read that figure yesterday of how many nightclubs we've lost not just in the last 40 years in the last 20 years we had 500 nightclubs they reckon now there's only 80 today yeah there's been a real hollowing out I suppose a white you know and it's beyond nightclubs the hollowing out of just arts and cultural space um, you know particularly across Dublin but I know in Cork as well and, and across the, 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 the country and, and what has happened really is that property has got taken over for either residential or for office space. So basically, anybody who's had a, you know, a lot of those nightclubs would have been on long-term leases 
And of course, it was more commercially attractive to turn them into office space. And I suppose that poses a real question now as to how we actually ensure that we have that right mix of, of you know, nighttime economy and cultural space in our towns and cities. And this is not just a city thing. I'm conscious I'm in Dublin talking to you, of course, today, but it's right across, you know, the towns right across Cork and beyond as well. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we, 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 we've kind of separately but relatedly been calling for, you know, the state to step in to secure what we would call cultural space, whether it's art spaces, whether it's, you know, nightclubs in, 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 in trouble. We've had, a you know, an issue with a, a very important traditional Irish music pub here in Dublin called the Cobblestone, some of your listeners may be familiar with, which, you know, it looked like it was going to be converted into a, you know, yet another hotel. And I suppose that the key issue there is that, you know, how do we actually protect these important cultural resources? Uh, and, 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 and Because they, they are integral to the fabric of our town city. OK, so there's a lot more to this than just what time the pub is going to close at night or what time the nightclub is going, going to close. And listen, Marie, while we have you on, as I mentioned in the introduction, you are the employment uh, spokesperson for Labour. I'm, I'm interested in what do you make of the review of the new draft laws on remote working. Leo Varadkar is saying that employees' rights will be strengthened. Well, look, we, we, we welcome um, the comments in recent days. I think it's important to put in context here. Last January, the government announced uh, proposed legislation on a right to uh, request remote work. In February, they had to concede that they would need to make drastic changes because there was such a reaction from people that, you know, that, that their proposals at the time would not allow... Um, workers to appeal or refusal to, to, to work remotely. It effectively gave employers a blank uh, check to, 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 to refuse. Well, also, um, I mean, I, I think was it was it was there was, was thirteen reasons that they an employer could say no. It was it was almost like it's raining today. No, no, you, you have to come to the office. It, it's and 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 be facetious saying that, but it was ridiculous the fact because if you look to other countries, they don't have thirteen reasons why an employer can say no. No, and that's exactly it. And I suppose, look, at the time, the Labour Party produced legislation on a right to flexible work because this was, for us, it is a, a, a really important, um, uh, I suppose, legislative change now to be able to encourage more people into the workplace. I know there's people listening to your programme this morning who might want to work but cannot work because of various issues in their lives. They can't access childcare or maybe they have to look after elderly relatives or maybe they have a disability. So we were saying this is a real opportunity now be able to allow people to work flexibly from day one of employment. Whereas the government had taken a view that flexible work or remote work was going to be a perk for good behaviour, that it would only come into place if you'd worked 26 weeks in a job. Because that person who, you know, simply cannot get start a, a job on day one, you know, they, they're never going to be able to be afforded those opportunities to work remotely or, 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 or flexibly. So, you know, it's been a long time coming in terms of the government. Uh, government's announcements this week and of course we've really only had newspaper reports we've seen nothing in writing from the government yet um, the Joint Directors Committee on Enterprise Trade and Employment uh, undertook what, what we call our pre-legislative scrutiny so we looked at what the government said in January we produced our report in July and the government has yet to come back with anything in, 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 in paper even though they promised they would have this legislation in place by the end of the year but that deadline is now going to be missed and I think that is very sad because you know I think they've been dragging their feet on this issue we need to get it right but we also um, can't be dilly-dallying for, 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 for months and years on end yeah because, because we, we saw we, we certainly saw it was probably 
one of the few pluses of the COVID pandemic. We saw how how well it worked for so many people. Well, I suppose what we expected to happen over a 20-year period happened within, you know, a 12-18 month period during the pandemic. And we, and as you say, absolutely, you know, remote work uh, can work. Uh, and 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 the thing is, it's, it, you know, I, I suppose my preference now is to ensure that lots of people have that option of being able to work in a hybrid fashion, both in the office for a certain number of days of the week and then at home as well. And, you know, we've, we've got to, to, to think as well, and I think the really striking thing about the pandemic is that we actually saw an increase in the number of women working full-time during the pandemic. And, and how did that come about? Well, you know, we know that women in particular, once they get to their second job, particularly if they have a third child, um, so many women in the workplace either move to part-time hours or drop out of the labour force altogether. And of course, the pandemic, they realised, well, actually, they're able to keep their jobs, work from home, so they can, you know, well, do the school drop once the, 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 the schools are back open. Um, but, 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 but get that balance right in terms of between work and all their other responsibilities. And I suppose, you know, we need to ensure that we continue um, uh, promoting and facilitating that increase in women in the workplace and, and, and ensure all those women who are currently not in employment can can go into employment with the benefit of having a right to flexible yeah, and, work. And, and we know we're, we're screaming out for workers. We, uh, we know the work is there. Listen, Marie, thank you for that. I enjoyed our chat. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is uh, Labour's spokesperson on employment, uh, Senator Marie uh, Sherlock. And see some of your calls coming in on this. Margaret in uh, Nancy in Bantry says, will anything satisfy people? They were complaining when bars were closed and now people are complaining that the bars are going to be open too long. You can't please some of the people all of the time, says our Nancy in Bantry. Valerie's in Mitchestown. I agree about the workers. How can you expect workers to work those longer hours? Mary in, well I'm assuming they're going to have to take on additional staff, Valerie is going to be the answer to that. Uh, Mary in Formoy, will the takeaways remain open for longer uh, hours? Uh, anyone that goes out at night will know that when people come out from pubs or nightclubs, where do they go? They all gather in the takeaways. Yeah, you would expect the takeaways will have to open longer hours as well and takeaway businesses will start to realise they can make more money by opening longer hours. And Joe says what about when they come out drunk at 6am in the morning from the nightclubs? Will they turn up for work? Uh, they might go out for one and then may never come home. They'll stay out until 6am or if they turn up drunk at 6am they won't be hold, holding on to their jobs for very long uh, Joe, that is uh, for sure. Hi Patricia, what a shame to be opening pubs for longer. I know of a lady crying over it as her husband is a very heavy drinker. She dreads an extension of the opening hours and I'm sure there are many more like her. And hi Patricia sure when pubs are opened from 10.30 in the morning until 12.30 at night, seven days a week, should there be great sparing of heating and electric. People won't have to worry about keeping themselves uh, warm as they'll be able to stay warm in the pub. It'll be impossible for the staff. Um, it would be impossible for 
for staff, it will be impossible to get them. I, I, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, it will be impossible to get staff to work those longer hours. And this texter is saying that they are six years of age. They worked in that industry with 12 years experience and just finding it impossible to uh, get work and feels it is because of, I don't know if it's a he or she, his or her uh, age. They have no interest in employing somebody who is 60, even though I have 12 years or more bar experience and bar work is a lot more than serving drinks. Oh eight one. 8-103-103. John Paul taking new calls. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. For this week's crime file, we are heading to McCroom Guard, the station where I'm joined by Garda Orla Doyle. Good morning to you, Orla. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and you're very welcome. Now, you've got a few incidents of criminal damage and theft that has happened over the last few weeks, and you want to start with a theft from a shop in Rathmore. Yes, I suppose we've seen a few thefts from shops recently. Um, One such theft was in Rathmore on the 16th of October at 11.50am. In this instance, two females entered the shop took items and drove off then in a silver Mitsubishi Jeep. So we're appealing to people, if anyone saw this Jeep around this time and on this date, please call McCrum Guardian 026-205-90. Um, so criminals are, you know, entering shops and they're stealing clothes, food, alcohol, anything really they can get their hands on. All shops are equipped with CCTV and many of the offenders have been caught for these crimes. So it's for CCTV installation shops and businesses is a huge deterrent for criminals. And if you are the owner of a shop or business, please consider purchasing a good quality CCTV system. And that is and the key, is having a good quality, because I've seen CCTV yes. footage and you simply can't make out who the person is, so you need to. Absolutely. But it's 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 a, certainly a worthwhile investment. Uh, you also want to offer advice about making sure all, all cars and vehicles are locked. Yes, so I suppose... Um, Make sure that your vehicle is locked, whether this car is parked in a public place or in your own driveway. Criminal are opportunists and will seek all chances to get hold of your property and cash. So, Gardaí have received many reports of people leaving handbags, wallets, phones on display in cars. And it's very important that people keep these items on their person, um, in their homes. Um, but if they are in the car, that they're out of public view. Once this incident occurred on the night of the 23rd of October... Between 9pm and 6.30am, a car was ransacked outside the owner's home in Kilburton. Items were taken from the car and again, <clears throat> please lock all vehicles, ensure the windows are closed and valuables are out of sight. Any information on this crime, you can contact Bandon Gardaí on 023. 885 Yeah, I heard of a thing. A business, I think it was in Douglas, he had his, uh, one of the windows in his van smashed in. I mean, literally, it was four euro he had left uh, on display. And you can leave nothing at all on nothing. display because when, when criminals are intent on, on robbing, they, they, they will do it. Now, theft of fuel around the division. And God knows we all know how expensive fuel is at the moment. Yeah, and you're right, Patricia. Fuel has increased in price at an awful rate. So we are already seeing theft of fuel around the division. On the night of the 16th of October, there was a theft of fuel from a farm tank in Dunamore. This occurred between the hours of 11pm and 6.30am. Obviously, this is a very expensive theft for the farmer involved. Please call McCroom Gardaí on 0620590 if you saw anything suspicious on the night. And as we come into the winter, please ensure your oil and diesel tanks are secure. 
Fuel theft prevention is vital here, so make sure to check the tanks regularly and note how much is in the tank. Whether it's domestic, Patricia, or commercial, above-ground oil tanks and mobile fuel bowsers are most at risk of fuel theft. Installing alarms and anti-siphoning devices, signage, security lighting and CCTV can prevent and disrupt fuel thieves. Commercial premises then should implement fuel management systems so that they know um, what their, their fuel levels are and that they can monitor it. Keep fuel tanks visible and remote tanks are, of course, more at risk. So restrict access and keep your gates closed and locked when not in use. Secure vehicles use fuel tank cap locks and anti-siphoning devices on vehicles and machinery. Yeah, well. the thing is, it's just to make it as difficult as possible for the would-be th- uh, thief. Now, we're all looking yeah. forward to uh, Bank Holiday Weekend uh, kicking off tomorrow and there will be hopefully lots of people out and about socialising and meeting up with family and uh, friends. You just want to offer advice to people as they head out this weekend. Yeah, and this is a, a you know a good weekend to look forward to. But if you are going out, please ensure that you arrange a drive to and from wherever you're going. Do not drink and drive. Don't take the chance. Guardian, you'll be carrying out checkpoints at all times over the weekend. And please be aware that you may still be over the limit the morning after. So do not drive the morning after. And there's a, campa- a campaign as well called Use Your Brain, Not Your Fist. You may have heard of it, Patricia. I have, yeah. This- yeah, this challenges people of all ages to get involved and uh, not to get involved in assaults. And unfortunately, sometimes these incidents can spike on weekends, such as this weekend coming. So stop and think and walk away from any such incident as one punch can kill and your actions of consequences for all involved. Yeah, Just stop and, and think. Yeah, you've got to live with that then for the rest of uh, your life. And of course, this is the, the kick-off. The children will be breaking up for midterm from tomorrow and, of course, Halloween. And we know what happens at um, Halloween. Uh, you're worried about uh, bonfires and, and, fi- and fireworks, which, of course, are illegal. Yes, they are. And I suppose we do receive an awful lot of call-outs um, on Halloween weekend in relation to bonfires and firework-related incidents. So we're urging parents to stay safe and not to buy illegal fireworks for their children this Halloween. And again, fireworks are illegal. And it's an offence for anyone to possess firearms without a licence. And it may result in a hefty fine up to five years imprisonment. So again, fireworks can cause damage to property. They can injure people, animals. It can be a huge annoyance to um, the elderly and, and everyone in general. So we would like to continue to um, confiscate any fireworks found in possession of persons without licence. And I just have a few tips there, Patricia, in relation to keep being safe over Halloween. If you are attending um, an organised fireworks and bonfire display, stay a safe distance away as wind can carry sparks long distances. Young children should be accompanied by an adult when trick-or-treating. And if you are trick-or-treating, skip houses with no lights on. Wear reflective material so that you can clearly be seen by motorists and cyclists. And fire-resistant materials should be used for costumes. Keep pets indoors and Halloween nights as well. Okay, we want everybody to have fun, but we want them to be safe. And I think the fire-resistant materials, those costumes for the little boys and the little girls, oh my goodness, I've seen absolute disasters with how quickly they can catch fire. So do be uh, be, be really, really careful of that. And just, you know, have go out and have fun. And that's what it's about. But just don't be an annoyance or a nuisance to anyone else. I mean, just on the yeah. fireworks, we had the Irish Guide Dogs on this week talking about how last Halloween, gorgeous guide 
dog had to be retired because he got such a fright from fireworks going yeah. off and it's just yeah. it's you just you don't people don't think about that they don't mean but it just shows some of the consequences that that can happen yeah. okay and you want to remind people of the guard the confidential helpline yeah, so the phone number there, if you have anything to report, is one eight zero zero six 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 one one one. And I'd just like to say, Gardaí can offer by crime alone without support cooperation of the community and all assistance by the public is greatly appreciated. Okay, one Listen, Orla, thank you for that. We'll speak again in the meantime. Thank you and thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is Garda Orla Doyle, uh, who is based out of McCroom Garda Station. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And I've just spotted a text in uh, that I want to give a mention to for fear that I offended anyone and I would never deliberately set out to offend or hurt or to exclude anyone. But a listener is pointing out that when I was chatting with Garda Orla Doyle during this week's crime file, we were talking about children going out trick-or-treating. Uh, we wanted to keep everybody safe and I in particular was talking about the little costumes that a lot of the children wear. And my God, I have seen some of them uh, go up on fire in like in a test environment and they really can do the most dreadful, dreadful um, damage and cause horrific burns uh, to children. So you do need to be very careful of that. But when I was talking with Orla, I mentioned that we want to make sure that all the little boys and girls have a lovely time and that they all come home safe. And a listener is pointing out that I mentioned boys and girls at least three times during my discussion with uh, Orla Doyle on the Garda file. And this listener is pointing out what about trans gender children, gender neutral, non-binary, a-gender, pan-gender, gender queer, two-spirit, third gender. They may all enjoy and want to enjoy Halloween and stay safe and they want to enjoy dressing up to name but a few of the additional genders and that I should be mentioning all of the genders and so as I say I don't, don't, I really didn't, didn't set out to offend anyone so we hope that all of the genders everybody heading out trick or treating we just want to keep everybody safe and thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 and our text lines by the way remain open uh, particularly if you've got a pet question for Jane to please uh, get them into us. Now we put a shout out for Mary who contacted us earlier because a stray tomcat, well it mightn't be a stray, it could be a neighbour's tomcat, got in through a patio window into Mary's place and the, he decided to leave his mark so he peed on one of her, on her runners and she's gone to great lengths to wash out the runner, she's left it hanging out on the clothesline for a month she reckons to try and air it out and she can't get rid of what is a very very noxious smell. Anyone that has cats will know exactly what I'm talking about when we talk about particularly tomcat pee. I don't know what it is, but it seems to be uh, really, really bad. So she was saying, because it obviously happened to lots of other people, could anybody give suggestions? Trish in Blackpool was suggesting that product, that's Get Off My Grass, isn't that what it's called? And she said that breaks down the enzymes in the pee spray. Now, I don't know if that works to get rid of the smell. It certainly deters cats when you spray it from going onto your lawn or onto your windowsills. But Trisha reckons that works to get rid of the smell as well. And it's available in all good pet shops. Charlie says use Dettol and lukewarm water. Now, Mary did say she'd use disinfectant, but I don't know what brand she actually used. But Charlie says Dettol will work. Jimmy is saying corn flour mixed with water. Helen in Balancolic says good old bread soda that you bake with there are 40 different uses for bread soda around the house particularly when it comes to uh, cleaning so put the bread soda in and mix it around in the shoe leave it for a few days and then clean it out 
it will take the smell away. Kathleen was on to say vinegar and lemon works an absolute treat for removing that smell. And then there was a lot of WhatsApps in on uh, this, including Timmy in Middleton says vinegar is the job for the cat pee on the shoe. Would never have thought of vinegar. And again, a lot of people saying the bread soda and the lemon. Somebody else, Liz, is saying washing soda crystals also uh, works. And Margaret said she had a similar problem, but it wasn't with cat pee. It was dog poo on one of her good runners. She couldn't get rid of the smell. She poured lemon juice uh, on it and 100% got rid of the smell. And then someone sent me on a link. I don't know who this was, but thank you to the person who sent me on a link to Mrs. Hinch. Mrs. Hinch Cleaning Tips. It's a Facebook page where Mrs. Hinch, and this would have been a lot of the old-fashioned remedies than things like the, what people are saying about the bread soda. And there's a post up on Mrs. Hinch Cleaning Tips on how to get rid of cat pee smell. And it says that this can be used on any surface or carpet or material. Uh, it's a simple thing to use. So it certainly could be used on Mary's, and I'm assuming it's the inside of the runner. And now it says... Um, hydrogen peroxide and is that bleach hydrogen peroxide or is that what hairdressers use peroxide anyway you get some hydrogen peroxide you use a teaspoon of dishwashing liquid and a teaspoon of baking powder. You mix them all together, you soak the area and you leave on until it goes completely dry. If there is a white residue, obviously from the baking soda at the end, you can just vacuum that off or brush it away. It never fails. And according to Mrs. Hinch on her cleaning tips, she's 16 cats. So she's a woman who knows exactly what she is talking about. 0818103103. So hopefully in the midst of all of the, the, the that advice there, that uh, there will be certainly be some good advice for Mary. Let us know, Mary, how you get on, please. Just on some other texts in Eileen says, uh, Patricia, love your show. Thank you very much. Uh, no waste food in our house on bread. I bake all of my own bread and guess what I do then is I slice it and then I freeze it. I take the toast sliced bread out of the freezer when I need it to pop it into the toaster. It's lovely and hot and fresh. As for vegetables, I make lots and lots of soup. Next week, for example, I will be busy making pumpkin soup. Delicious and healthy. Yes, it takes a bit of time, but it is so, so worth it. And it's funny, the number of people that are saying that they do a lot of traditional baking are all saying that they are the ones that never have or have little or no food waste. Because I wonder about the pumpkins. And there is pumpkin Pumpkin soup is absolutely delicious, I have to say. If I ever see pumpkin soup on a menu, it's something I would always go for. It is gorgeous. And the amount of pumpkins you see at the moment, all of the supermarkets are stocked high with pumpkins for the children for Halloween. And I, it only struck me the other day when I was in a supermarket saying, I wonder how many people will just use it. And it's a great thing for the kids to do, to scoop it all out and, you know, to cut out the pumpkin, the shapes on it. And it's a lovely thing for children to do. But I wonder how many families will actually use, will do what I need is doing, use the contents of the pumpkin to make pumpkin soup. Are, I know the Americans are big into making pumpkin pie. Don't think I've ever eaten pumpkin pie, but I certainly am a fan of pumpkin soup. Uh, well done, uh, Eileen. Mary says, on pubs staying open uh, later, I do worry about people sitting into their cars and drinking all night and then going to work the next day. Oh, this is drinking the next day. And actually we touched on drinking the next day when Gartha Orla Doyle was 
on when she was giving advice for uh, people about you know heading out this weekend and having a nice time people of all genders heading out and having a nice time she did make the point that people do need to be careful about driving the following morning so I'm assuming Mary that's what you're talking about while they'll go out and they'll get their taxis or they'll have their designated drivers and all of that but it's the next day it's worrying about being over the limit the next day um, and everyone has to be so careful of that it was an investment we made in our house a number of years ago when we started to hear of more and more people being breathalyzed the following morning and there being more guard the checkpoint the following uh, morning I bought one of those breathalyzer kits and then just you put batteries into it and it, I tell you it is probably one of the greatest investments we've had in our house and I can't believe the number of times we've had to either um, I, no, I don't drink a lot so I'm usually I'm, I'm one of those people as I've got older I can't drink as much I, I affectionately describe myself as a cheap drunk because I just can't drink as much as I used to years ago and, and, and I'm sure a lot of people know, notice that but if I ever have people staying in, in our house and I remember one Christmas having a gang staying and somebody who will remain nameless wanting to head away the following morning I said oh hang on now tick let's do the breathalyzer and they were over the limit so they had to wait for a couple of hours until we could get a proper reading on the breathalyzer so it is worth investing in one of those particularly if you're going out of the weekend or you're going to be going out over Christmas as well even drinking at home you can tip yourself over the limit very very quickly 0818 103 103 somebody else I'm looking for advice please our suggestions Hi Patricia, would you ever give a shout out and find out, are there any classes on in the Mallow or the North Cork area where somebody can learn how to sew using a sewing machine? A sewing, I remember going in school, we learned to sew with a sewing machine. I wouldn't know one end of it now to the other, but it's a great hobby to take up for sure. So are there any classes for with specifically for sewing but this person wants to use obviously has acquired a sewing machine and would love to be able to use it any of suggestions in the Mallow or anywhere in the North Cork uh, area 0818 103 103 you can give John Paul a call or you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county See corkcoco.ie. As part of the Donnerail Sour Festival, there is a pumpkin carving uh, going on for children at the Presentation Pastoral Centre in Donnerail. Now it's 10 euro, but a pumpkin will be supplied. Knocknagree Community Development uh, Group are presenting a fashion show half past seven tonight in Rathmore Community Centre. You invite you to come along and enjoy the night with lots of fun and spot prizes. And a free makeup and skincare demonstration is taking place as we speak in Mulcahy's Life Pharmacy in Mallow. It's on until one o'clock today, so a little over half an hour left. There will be a raffle for a variety of prizes and uh, tickets for the raffle are five euro per strip. All the proceeds are going to be donated to Cork Arc in conjunction with Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Kildallery Community Development are holding their weekly lotto draw. That's on at four o'clock this afternoon in the local community office with a jackpot of 5,800 euro. And Duke's Clonakilty Heritage are hosting Dr. Jenny Butler on Zoom 8 o'clock tonight, giving an overview of traditional celebrations for Halloween. You can see Duke's Clonakilty Heritage Facebook page for further details. And a public lecture on the 100th anniversary of Dick Barrett's death 
will be held at 8 o'clock tonight. It's in Gert Mwira Centre. That's in Ballinine and all are very welcome. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Somebody said Mallow College of Design has ongoing classes for sewing, etc. It is the best, says somebody. Okay, so thank you for that. That's a good uh, tip to pass on to that listener. And then a number of people have texted in saying that they can't believe that somebody picked me up for not mentioning the other genders when I spoke about boys and girls going out trick-or-treating this Halloween. I can't believe a gender took the time to correct uh, you, Patricia, on the wording referring to children. Uh, What a crazy world we are living with. Please, I hope that a gender has a lovely positive day and tries not to be so corrective of others. Well, you know, and I certainly didn't mean to take any offence when I just said a boys or girls. Brian from Waterfall says, I can't believe that somebody sent you that text, Patricia, about not mentioning transgender and all of the other genders. Uh, What does he, she, they expect out of you? Uh, And um, similar texts uh, um, along that line as well. But as I say, I I referenced it because somebody took the time to send in the text. And as I say, I certainly didn't mean to offend. And Mary has been back on who has the problem with the cat pee on her lovely runners, the cat that got into to her patio in the window and uh, she's back on to say just to, wants to say thank you to everyone who's been so helpful and she will let us know how she gets on and she's because we've got so much different suggestions uh, for us so thank you Mary and please do let us know how you get on because somebody else says tell Mary throw the runners out she'll never get rid of that pong but others are saying she will others are saying she will someone else says tell Mary to keep her windows closed I think she's learned a valuable lesson about leaving the uh, windows open but it happened it's well over a month ago it might have been in a spell of nice weather as well and then listen to this for a sad text that came in earlier this morning to say hi Patricia we were in the city last night we were out for a friend's birthday party my goodness the homelessness in Cork City is unbelievable we came across an elderly man my husband was so shocked as the man's coat was so light my husband was so shocked to the point that he gave him his coat Patricia what an absolute disgrace we are as a, as a, a nation where my husband had to take the coat off his back to give to an elderly man now he didn't mind giving it not in any way but it was just shocking to see how bad the homelessness is, is in Ireland we felt like as if homeless in Ireland are like poop on the shoes of the government and all of us included I was so saddened leaving the city in what I saw last night and to be honest I was ashamed to be Irish that's, uh, that's well done to your husband uh, by the way and very upsetting because obviously lovely night out you're in great form heading back and then uh, to come across that and I don't know if you've been listening on our news this morning we are picking up on the Cork Simon community who of course at first hand work with uh, homeless people and uh, th- th- actually their CEO uh, Dermot Kavanagh was uh, speaking out on the figures showing that the Simon community managed to help a record number of people out of homelessness uh, last year as the number of people recorded as sleeping rough in the city has actually reduced by uh, 45% but I mean one person sleeping on a 
our streets uh, is one too many and I know a lot of homeless people living on our streets there's addiction issues going on as well but you know if there are addiction issues then those addiction issues uh, need to be uh, dealt with but just looking back at Simon's figures for last year they say they had a positive outcome for many experiencing uh, homelessness but though uh, Dermot Kavanagh of Cork Simon's Committee did sound a cautionary note he says that with increasing cost of living pressures and continuing challenges on our housing market they are now fearful that more and more people will find themselves on the edge of homelessness I mean he talks about their emergency shelter is full to capacity while additional emergency accommodation is is needed in the interim he said an adequate supply of social and affordable houses is ultimately and urgently needed so that more people can have the opportunity to regain their lives and their annual report shows that despite the chronic challenges of the housing crisis the Simon community helped to end homelessness for 69 people and that's the highest number they've ever achieved year on year and they moved them to secure and affordable, supported and in some cases independent living. Eight of the moves were made possible with the completion of renovation work at St. Joachim and Anne's. Now that's a building on Anglesey Street in the city. It's an old 19th century building and it was converted into eight independent living flats for people moving on from homelessness. What a difference Simon's community has made uh, to those 69 people. Their report showed they supported over a thousand people in uh 2021. They supported 416 people at emergency shelters. That's an average of 39 people per night came into their shelters. They helped 234 formerly homeless people to maintain their tenancies because that is a problem particularly for people with addiction and people who end up on our streets for a long time. When the likes of the Simon community work to get them a tenancy it isn't just as easy as handing them a key to the front door of an apartment and say they're off you go now you're no longer homeless many of these people have to be helped in making sure that the bills are paid and that they're looking after themselves and that's where the wonderful Simon community uh, come in they supported 73 people into addiction treatment and aftercare and another 42 people were helped into employment and Dermot Kavanagh CEO of Cork Simon then went on to pay very special tribute to the hundreds of volunteers the thousands of individual donors and businesses who played a critical role in the response to the homeless crisis, especially during COVID, which he described as being probably the most difficult, difficult years in the history of uh, Cork Simon. And when I was reading their annual report, you know, I just said it, it really is evidence of where your money goes if you've ever donated to the Simon community. And I know only yesterday we touched on charities and particularly we touched on some of the overseas charities, you know, the likes of Concern and Oxfam and um, Ireland Aid. And somebody was saying that, you know, when they give to charities, they want to make sure that the, the money goes to the right people. And there will always be admin and there will always be the need for these large charities to to advertise so that they can get more funding in but the Cork Simon community and Simon community in general are just a terrific organisation and it was fantastic to see their report from last year and the number of people and to think a record number 69 people who were homeless on uh, the streets of uh, Cork are now no longer homeless thanks to the Cork Simon community and of course when we look at homelessness in the city 
you know, people living in the county can think, oh, it's desperate what's going on and homelessness in the city is shocking. If you go and speak to homeless people in the city, many of them are from the county because the services are in the city. I mean, and it's the same all over the world. Homeless people radiate towards the cities and the larger urban areas because that's where the services are. But of course, many of those homeless people who end up on the streets are from our county towns and our county villages. So it isn't a problem that we don't have in the county. And that's not to say we're not seeing homeless people sleeping on county towns as well. We sadly uh, are. But, you know, well done to the to the volunteers and the fantastic work that's done by the Cork Simon community. But, you know, but to anybody listening, if you've ever donated to Simon community, know that your money is always very well spent and well done to uh, Simon. And as I say, they, they will have a very, very difficult time, I think, ahead. I think this winter is going to be particularly difficult because we have such a lack of housing and it is going to push people who are on the brink of homelessness. It's going to push people all the way into homelessness, which is a shocking, shocking thing to even be saying. 0818103103. Our lines are uh, open. We are looking for your pet questions, please, for uh, Jane Pickett, our resident vet. If there's something wrong with one of the animals in your house and you'd like uh, Jane to sort it out, get them in. You can text or WhatsApp me 86 Or if you'd like to call John Paul, he's taking the questions as well to 0818103103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, uh, joining us. Uh, Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're, you're very welcome. And I want to pick up on something we ended up on last week, but we didn't get full time to finish it. And this was to do with, and actually there's a similar question in today from, from another um, pet owner. And this is to do, last week it was to do with a 12-month-old uh, Alsatian uh, dog uh, who just eats, gets a big food, but it's got into the habit of begging for food. How does she break the habit? Yeah. So it's it's always a very difficult one when they're begging for food. And I suppose, you know, we love our pets. We want to see them happy. But a lot of the time, particularly when we have pets that are begging consistently, they will become overweight. And in a sense, we are killing them with kindness because obesity leads to a huge variety of different diseases and disease processes that are very avoidable in older and middle-aged pets. So I think it's watching out for from an early age. Um, what I would normally suggest is I suppose, first of all, make sure the treats that you are giving them, if you are giving them a very small amount of treats when they beg, I would normally say to avoid them putting on weight, either have an allocation of treats that you can give per day. So four or five, have them in a little tub on the counter. And when they're gone, they're gone. So you know yourself, if any member of the family has given a treat, it's been from that cup and you know how much they've had rather than, let's say, four or five members of the family being begged from and them getting an absolute plethora of treats and everybody else thinking that they've only given them a few The second thing will be if you're concerned about your pet begging consistently and you want to make sure they're not putting on weight is if they do eat a kind of a dry kibble nut diet, maybe even give them treats as let's say a handful of that throughout the day. But take that out of their allocation of what they would normally be requiring for their morning and evening feed. So just reserve a little bit of their usual breakfast or dinner to give us treats throughout the day if they are consistent beggars. But what I will say is it really is discipline. So some people will be okay with them begging for the odd treat and giving them giving them a morsel and, you 
you know, as long as it's not impacting on their health as regards weight, that's not the worst thing in the world. But for others, it's not really something that they want happening around the house. And that just requires buy-in and discipline from everybody in the house. Eventually, if you, let's say, don't give in to the begging, if you've decided you're not giving treats, you need to make sure that there's buy-in from the whole family and nobody's sneaking them because then the pet will learn very quickly. You know, I get I get my morning breakfast and my evening dinner and in between, you know, it's not worth my while asking the family for treats because they're, they're not going to cave. Or an alternative strategy is you could tie it into uh, parts of maybe if your pet is begging, re-engage them in some behaviour like learning to sit or lie down or roll over or any kind of tricks and then they can get a morsel of food. So you're you're associating with something positive that's more more interaction with your pet, which is good for them mentally, rather than just, you know, flinging them a treat to keep them happy. So there's a number of different ways. Okay, yeah, because I, I remember, and this was a number of years ago, there was a beautiful Labrador that was in our neighbourhood. And of course, the Labrador used to wander around from garden to garden. And we were all giving the Labrador treats. Mm. And eventually there was a knock on the door from the owners saying that they, were, they had the dog on a special diet. <laughs> And could we stop giving yeah. the dog treat? I mean, he literally used to turn up at my back door looking for a biscuit and I'd see him coming. Oh, hi, if I don't, and hand him the biscuit, not realising that then he was going to the house next door and getting another <laughs> biscuit there. So you do need to, you do need to be careful of that. Now, there, yeah. there, this is kind of, it's, it's similar, but slightly different because this is an older dog. This is somebody who has a Jack Russell, uh, 15 years of age. Now, this obviously is something new, is constantly barking for food and drinking water. He's also started wetting inside in the house. Uh, would Jane have any idea on what could be the matter with him? Okay, so I think you've noticed change in your pet and change is always an indication for his visit to the vet. So if they're drinking more than usual, peeing inside in the house and that would normally not be their behaviour, that could be an in- indication that there may be a problem, I suppose, with the kidneys, potentially even some hormonal diseases like diabetes, hypothyroidism um, in- or, or hypoadrenocorticism. So there's a number of different diseases that can come along with old age that might change the drinking and the urination habits, but also make them constantly bark for food. Um, I would say that there is a, there's a few possibilities here. Some of it could be part of old age, a little bit of senility, so that may have changed behaviour, but it does sound like there may be an underlying medical reason, particularly if it's drinking, peeing and eating that's involved. So I would advise a visit to your vet. It may be that they'll do a full health check, but I would say that it's probably a case that they may recommend based on what they find and in discussion with you, they may recommend taking some blood tests just to double check how everything's going on underneath the surface. But well done for realising, well done for noticing and I think it's definitely, definitely a trip to the vet is warranted. Okay, and then Catherine was on to us. She's travelling to France. Now she's going to be travelling from Ringeskiddy to Roscoff and she's bringing her doggy along for the journey. She's been told by Brittany Ferries that she doesn't need a ringworm tablet but her vet has led her to believe she does need a ringworm tablet so she's coming to you. Do you know anything about the situation on travelling between Ireland and France and the need for a ringworm worm tablet for a dog okay so i suspect rather than ringworm it's probably a tapeworm tablet so ringworm is is a skin disease it's not something normally we can guard against with a a kind of a preventative tablet but normally it will be tapeworm treatment that will be required in advance of movement and that's because tapeworm is a worm that's endemic to some regions of the of, of countries and areas and not to others um, and we just want to avoid moving moving those parasites around around the different countries of the world. It is always best in advance of travel to double check the country's website as to what the entry requirements are. To my knowledge at the moment, tapeworm is required. But what I will say is 
there have been a number of instances recently, I would say, where I know in our practice, we've recommended that a tapeworm treatment be given before travel to the UK, for example. And that, that's not legally required. But I know anecdotally, some of our clients that have traveled have had maybe problem, problems at ports. Um, and it's always safest just to have everything possible done so that there's no problems even feasible on the other side. So I would say it's a difficult one. When you're getting kind of mixed signals, but I'd say the best thing to do is check the destination country's government website as for the legal requirements. But we should all be using routine treatment for tape worm anyway. So we should all be worming an adult dog at least every three months. So I would normally recommend that it's good practice and particularly before traveling. Because you need a pet passport. You need a pet passport, don't you as well? Exactly. You need a pet passport. So they need to have had a rabies vaccine well in advance of going away because there is a time lag period between when the rabies vaccine is given and when we could issue the passport to be valid for travel. So, you know, I'd have a second chat with your vet about things, but it is a little bit of a difficult situation, particularly, I know, you know, with the, let's say, the makeup of the EU and I know UK is not involved in this situation but that would be the most common thing that happens that has changed some things recently Yeah, so and, you, and you don't want a problem when, when you arrive you want everything to be you smooth don't. smooth sailing and, and good don't. luck and, good and luck with your travels it's such a simple thing yeah, yeah yeah okay question please for Jane I've been hand feeding my one year old dog and now I simply can't break the habit at the start it was for interaction with her but now I feel I'm stuck if I don't hand feed she's very very slow to eat on her own. Any suggestions, please? Um, okay, this is a, a difficult and slightly unusual one. I think I can completely understand wanting to hand feed to have some interaction with your pet, but you know, I, I, I can completely understand you don't want to be doing that twice a day for breakfast and dinner. Um, certainly the pet should be able to eat on its own unless there's any other underlying medical issues. It doesn't sound like there is. I'll assume they're, they're otherwise healthy. You say they're slow to eat when they're not being hand fed. That's probably just because they're used used to being hand fed. If they will eat from the bowl a bit more slowly, it may just be a case that they need to get used to it. To be honest, I'd probably leave them to eat in the bowl as long as there's no, no other problems than your dog as well. I would leave them to eat in the bowl. It may change their habits slightly. It may take them a little while to adjust, but they will. They'll get hungry and they'll have a snack from the bowl if it's available. Okay, Shane has a two-year-old mini dashhound. Uh, recently, he started licking his paws and what appears to be biting his nails. Any ideas on what's going on, Jane, or does he need a trip to the vet? He needs a trip to the vet. That little dog sounds like he's itchy. Um, so normally we think of itching and scratching as classically kind of scratching at the trunk with the back feet or itching the ears off the ground but really most commonly I would say 90% of the dogs that present to me as let's say an underlying itch will be biting at their feet and that's kind of like us because it's an easy thing to get to if they're itching and scratching and their toes are a little bit itchy they can get to them easily whereas let's say if if a part of their back was itchy or scratchy it's very difficult for them to get to that so normally it will manifest as as biting or chewing at the toes there's a number of things that could be going on from a simple parasite infestation right up to allergies. It really requires a full investigation. So I'd say definitely take a trip to your vet at this stage before it gets any worse. But well done. Well done for noticing and picking up on it. OK. Listen, as always, a pleasure. Thank you for that, Jane. And we'll chat again next Thursday. Brilliant. Thank Thanks you Thanks for joining us. Bye bye. That is uh, Jane Peckett. Pickett even from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital part of the Mill Street Veterinary uh, Group. A couple of people to say congratulations to Mike and Bantry was on to say Patricia will you say send congratulations to Bantry Tidy Towns Youth Group. They have won first prize in the All Ireland Tidy Towns. Congratulations Bantry Tidy Towns and indeed congratulations to all of our Tidy Towns. We mentioned them 
this morning when we're talking about the lack of outdoor staff in Cork County Council and the number of people who said where would we be without the volunteers of the various tidy towns groups who do the most amazing work work that traditionally had always been done by the council but because they lack outdoor staff a lot of that work has been picked up either by people on a CE scheme or our wonderful tidy towns uh, groups and also I want to send congratulations to Paul Levitt and I'm hope I'm pronouncing Paul's surname correctly he is a he's with Charleville Taekwondo Club and he recently travelled to Buenos Aires in Argentina to represent Ireland in the ITFU Open World Championship and would you believe Paul Levitt from Charleville Taekwondo Club came home with a silver medal he was also he also completing was club instructor Anthony Maguire who unfortunately lost in a split decision early in the uh, competition so Charleville Taekwondo just want to wish all of the best uh, and send congratulations to Paul and I'm told they're very busy at the moment they have a team of 16 students who are travelling to London in November and they will be completing in the British Open Championships so well done to everybody involved in Taekwondo Thank you to Aoife uh, who sent in a lovely text uh, referencing the text that I had received earlier from a listener who was picking me up when I was talking about children going out trick-or-treating at Halloween and that three times I said boys and girls and that I didn't mention other genders who might like to go out on Halloween like transgender, gender neutral, non-binary, agender, pangender, gender queer, two-spirit and third gender to name but a few. Uh, Aoife says, I bet you they, 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 that text about transgender etc was sent by a troll trying to make transgender people look bad. No trans non-binary person would have a problem with you saying boys and girls with reference to going out trick-or-treating at Halloween so please don't worry you didn't offend and that's from Aoife thank you Aoife I appreciate you taking time out uh, to send that text actually talking of Halloween tomorrow We'll be heading into the bank holiday weekend and of course tomorrow is the day when uh, children will be breaking up for their midterm break and it'll be all about Halloween, particularly for the small ones. So tomorrow on the programme we're going to be doing a piece about Halloween traditions and the folklore that's attached around uh, Halloween and I very much would be interested to hear from anyone if you have particular memories of what did you do as a child when it came to Halloween and how Halloween has changed. I mean we touched on it during the week, I don't know who it was talking to when we were mentioning Halloween and we've gone very Americanized, and there's nothing wrong with going Americanized. but when you look at the amount of homes that are decorated uh, certainly when I was growing up you never would have seen people put up Halloween decorations and some people have gone to huge huge lengths uh, to decorate their houses and certainly the costumes for children have come a long way since the day when God you wouldn't be doing it now in order to be a witch it was a black plastic bag I don't know if many people remember that black plastic bag over your head you wouldn't be doing that now anyway we'll talk about that and more tomorrow so look forward to your company Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie normally being a little extra can be a bit much 
But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.